Well, good morning. My name is Stephen Riley. I'm lead pastor here at Living Waters Church, and it is a blessing to serve you. I'm as excited about ministry leadership as ever, and I'm excited about the cross and where it's at. Uh, we, uh, again, are installing this week a, a new type of uh, backdrop that is um, uh, economical but very effective in producing different uh, atmospheres and colors and things. We're looking forward to that. So what, did, what to do with the cross? So we were talking about it uh, as elders and, and thinking about here or over there in the sanctuary or maybe somewhere else out in the building. And one of these conversations... Uh, and, and really didn't have any direction yet, uh, Philip said, how about over above the baptistry? And I could see that in my spirit, and I was like, yes, that's it. And I believe God is saying to us, keep focused on uh, praying for the lost to be saved. Remember my cross, my sacrifice for you, Stephen, and pray for water baptisms to get busy over here of all ages. And I, this stayed with my spirit for weeks because and, and it was still weeks away before we did anything, months actually, and this stayed with me and stayed with me. So I feel like we just got a confirmation by the spirit uh, that this is a divine placement. Let's go ahead and pray over this right now. Father, we want to be reminded to be intercessors for the harvest, for the lost. Lord, we thank you that we've been saved. Now, we want others to be saved, our, our family members that are not saved, our friends that are not saved. Lord, our neighbors, uh, younger people, older people, every age, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we want this uh, to be a, a staple, a foundation, a, a moving forward, crossing over in the next 40 years. Lord God, that your work over here in the baptistry will glorify you greatly in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that. Well, we are uh, just getting the rockets engines going, and it's starting to lift and this launching new family ministry. We're in process, and we're working on it uh, as we speak, and the message this week is out of Nehemiah chapter 4, but I'm going to need to kind of do an overview starting in Nehemiah chapter 1. So I'm going to ask you to turn there to Nehemiah in your Bibles or in your apps and uh, wait for me there because I need to go over some other things first. I really felt um, led of the Lord in developing this series uh, early in October that God really wants to bless all of our family trees, all of our family line. Doesn't matter if you still have children in the home or not, God is still wants to bless. And, and I did the first uh, series was cleansing our family tree where we get before God and ask forgiveness, but forgive our ancestors and release them because whether they're alive or not, because bitterness in our heart and unforgiveness in our heart does not bear any fruit for us. It blocks blessings to flow through family lines. And so that was, that was uh, early in October, cleansing our family tree. Then the next uh, week, I believe is October 17th, was uh, Lord God bless our family tree through the Father's blessing. 
It's something that God instituted early in God's people where the fathers would speak and declare blessings over their children and how important that was in my life and many of our lives. And, and we actually just offered this in, uh, at the altar with about seven prayer stations and it was such an honor to be a part of that. Well, I know everybody didn't get a chance either because uh, you were uh, online or, or you were uh, you know, didn't get a chance to come. So we offered it in a classroom the following week. And we had, you know, a couple came before church and a, uh, someone came after church. And I just want to say this ministry of the Father's blessing is biblical. It's ordained of God. It's, it's from heaven. It's a way that the Heavenly Father wants to just bless us more and give us encouragement. And so I just want to say again, if you have any interest of being prayed over that father's blessing you just let me know and i have a willing uh couples and leaders want to do it again and we'll set up a time in the classroom before church or after church or something and work that out and so god is releasing that father's blessing from heaven and also blessings from our family line you know that unforgiveness and bitterness can allow curses to flow from our ancestors but when we forgive and release and receive the heavenly father's blessing then we actually receive the blessings that god has already designed in that family line from the ages before to flow through that and we can receive that i want to hear more stories from you about uh the father's blessing and what god spoke to you please email me call me text me let's talk about it and i heard about a testimony and i want uh, Pam Sophie to share it with you right now. Uh, it's such a, just a unique story and one that says, hey, God really is in this. And, um, and so, Pam, so let's give Pam Sophie a big hand. She's a servant in children's ministry and at Father's Love. What a, what a servant of the Lord you are. Go ahead, Pam. Well, about two years Bring ago. Bring it up a little bit closer. Thank you. About two years ago, my father passed away. But it wasn't without God's covering and mercy because um, I, his passing was a surprise. But the Lord prompted me a week before he, he died to go and to um, share the gospel, show him unconditional love, tell him that I had love in my heart because God put it there. And in um, exactly a week he passed away. And that was such a blessing. That was just God being the heavenly father that he is and just standing over me, over me and leading me and protecting me and releasing me from any regret or, or what I felt shame. And so, so when it came um, a couple of weeks ago to the father's blessing, I kind of obediently just came up to do it, but really didn't feel like I needed it because I had my heavenly father. Who's so good and so merciful and so kind to me yeah. and has always been there where my regular father was not. And even though I had, I felt that I had let that go um, and that I, I didn't, you know, but that was just a, something from my past. It was gone. And, I, and, and there was that disconnect. And I came up here and uh, Frank Fig, his he came open, and so I went and we talked a little bit, and he asked about, you know, my maiden name, and he immediately knew my family. 
He knows my family better than me because we're cousins, and we didn't even know it. Um, First cousins, twice removed, and he knew my father, and I was able to share how God was chasing my father to the very end and, and what a blessing that was, and we both felt really that that was a God-ordained moment. Because Frank and I had never met or, or never spoken. I, you know, I knew of him. But um, anyway, we, I was able to receive the Father's blessing from my Father's side. And it was like God was not interested in me closing doors and blocking things off. He's more interested in making me whole. Woo, I love that. Mm. Oh, Father, we just pray more of that wholeness and healing for Pam. And we stand with her that this opened more blessings from her family line to pass on to her children, her children's children, and her great-grandchildren. Lord, this is you at work, and uh, you, uh, the Father of heaven, uh, where all the families derives its names is from you. And you knew this family line and how to connect them uh, two Sundays ago. And Lord, so we thank you for that. Give you glory. Do more work of this, Lord. More healing, more restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. I wish Frank was here now. He's uh, visiting his uh, family line in Florida. Uh, and enjoying his family tree. Wow, love that. So I'm, I want to get into this message, but I, I want to do some clarification about the mail-out. Three weeks from today, November 21st, during the worship time, we're going to have our offering given to the Lord. And you're going to bring this a uh, little uh, card, giving card, and envelope with you that day, and check in here. Of course, you can give online. We have the tabs available there. And this year, we've had people inquire about not just a one-time gift, but can I invest and give on a monthly basis? And so, we, we want to open that door to you. So, we have that available as well. But in this letter, it goes and breaks down uh, the different goals. And I want to say that that God is, is really challenging the board to lead with faith like never before since I've been leading. Now, there's been some major faith steps, and we're going to get into that a little bit earlier, uh, later on in the history of our church. But this is such a faith goal that we have not as a board in the last uh, four years where we've had uh, fundraisers in November, we have never asked for this money from you or from God, and that's what it is. We know it's, it's by, from the Lord. Our faith is set on the Lord. And, and in my message today, I'm gonna, you'll hear the motivation why we believe as leadership this, the time is now and the time is uh, to step out in faith. But we have unusual names in the three-level goals. Uh, they all were biblical teenagers who was used by God in a mighty way. The first level goal is a Daniel goal. Don't put that screen up quite yet. I want to talk about it a little bit. So Daniel, right, was a teenager when he was uh, captured and exiled out 
uh, with a, a bunch of other young men. And he was a leader there and made choices for God as young men. And they rose quickly in influence and leadership in Babylon. And he became a prophet to all those pagan kings over and over again the rest of his life. But he started in the right choices of a young man. Joseph was a young man, was betrayed by his brother because of his character and the quality of his uh, abilities and maturity as a young man. He rose in leadership wherever he was a slave in Egypt to the point where he was second in command and then saved God's people from starvation during famine. But it started with good character and maturity as a young person. Uh, and then we have David, who uh, the David goal, the highest level goal, who was, as a, as a young man, just a teenager, he, uh, and I say that, we say this all the time, just a teenager. Let me tell you, God puts powerful works in our young people, and we discredit them as just weak, little, immature teenagers. Listen, our young people growing up in Living Waters family, we believe they have God potential on them in the teen years. That it's not a wasted 10 or 12 year period of time like so much of the message of the world today. No, listen, it is time to fulfill your calling and use your gifts. And so David, as young man, the only man willing to look at Goliath and not have fear and run in fear. He had God in him. He was such a worshiper and he had the, 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 the strength of the Lord in him. He was ready to go in battle and defeated that Goliath and instantly became a hero in that nation, a later king for 40 years and the lineage of the Messiah. And that's why we call Jesus the son of David. And so these goals are big goals in our eyes, but our God is so big, they're not, not it's not big to him. But it's a, our faith being stretched. So what we're looking at is we are, and again, the message will help you explain the why we're focusing on student ministry in the, in the family piece, focusing on student, student ministry first. And we're looking at uh, raising resources for a full-time student minister that would include increasing the budget as well, which is very small right now for student ministry. And so that Daniel goal, that first goal of that first year's compensa- compensation package and the, uh, the student ministry budget is $55,000. And that includes health benefits and other benefits like that. Number two, the Joseph goal. This includes the Daniel goal plus a second year's compensation package plus the uh, more student ministry budget the second year. And so that's an additional 55000 That's a total of 110000 And then the third goal, the David goal, is this and includes the previous Joseph goal plus expand the River Kids Ministry, develop marriage enrichment, men's and women's ministries. And that's uh, an additional uh, $35,000. So that's $145,000 that we can do the things that we have in our heart to do and develop to be a ministry, a church that is fruitful and effective in all stages and phases of a family's uh, uh, development. And really, the only request we have is that over the next three weeks, you just pray about it. You just pray about it. I'll just read your scriptures right out of the letter. It's one of my favorite when it's when it comes to uh, uh, giving. It's Second Corinthians nine six. Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generally will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, it's not about me as a pastor putting uh, compulsion on you and pressure on you. It's not about you feeling, uh, you know, uh, reluctant to do this. This is a, a journey that you and your spouse as a family make before God over the next several weeks of prayer and waiting. And then you say, this is how we're being led. This is the desire of our heart. We willingly and cheerfully give this into the kingdom of God as part of our worship and trust in him. And I believe that we're going to see the Lord abundantly provide and we're going to move ahead in launching new family ministry like never before. Can I have a hand clap on that? I believe it. And our, our last few board meetings have been so dynamic. There's been that tension of, oh my goodness, this is, this is too much. No, this is God. Where's your faith? Let's have faith. And it's been a faith builder for us. And in a tremendous time to be a leader of the Living Waters Church family. Let's pray. Father, as I head into this message, I ask for you to uh, uh, give me the words to say, you know, I'm yielding myself to you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit is the difference in each one of our hearts uh, of every age here in this room. And Lord God, we do yield ourselves to you, our family finances to you. And we say, Lord... It all belongs to you. So we uh, submit ourselves to you, asking you to lead us and guide us and give us your peace and that cheerfulness to give over these next three weeks. So at November 21st, Lord, we'll just give it to you, uh, all that you've instructed, Lord God, and we believe that you're gonna bless and expand it and make it bear much fruit in the lives of young families in all of our families. In Jesus' name, amen. So what's happening in the book of Nehemiah? Well, the people of Israel have already been uh, judged by God. They were defeated by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and, and, uh, and overcome and, and exiled and taken as prisoners out of the land. Uh, and uh, they were in captivity for 70 years, and this is actually after that 70 years now, but Many didn't come back when, when Babylon, uh, Babylon fell and Persia was now uh, the reigning empire out there in the Middle East. And, um, so some uh, Jews went back to uh, Israel and Jerusalem and some stayed because they had settled there and they didn't go back. And some, you know, so it was just a real mixture who lived back in Israel. Some uh, foreigners came in and were rulers uh, over areas in the, of, of the land around Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, it wasn't really a fully led by Jewish people uh, yet. And <clears throat> Nehemiah is a cupbearer for King Artaxerxes of Persia. And he hears a report uh, for those who had traveled from Jerusalem who said the walls... Are, of the city are broken down. The city is a mess. Uh, it is, uh, the people are in trouble there, and it's very disheartening. And instantly, Nehemiah's heart was broken. 
Let me tell you a little bit about Jerusalem. Jerusalem, I've been there. I want to take you there if you haven't been yet. Is in a rocky area of the nation. It's hilly everywhere. And this old city, Jerusalem, is on one of these hills that come out of deep out of the ground and come up. And so, and then on top of the hills are the walls. So it was a mighty fortress. It was a hard city to attack and overcome. It was, it was a, a great, uh, you know, respected city. It was, it was mighty. Uh, even before David uh, lived there and he captured it, it was a, just a powerful fortress of a city. And now that glory is gone. And with walls broken down, uh, uh, many places you could just, anybody could just walk in with and just take over whatever houses or businesses are there. You just come in and just do what you want. This broke his heart now he was a cupbearer a little history about cupbearers what is that what is a cupbearer really all they do is they are in charge of whatever the king gets to drink the wine the water the juices uh whatever they're concocting and he is in charge of that. He oversees it. He makes sure it was done right. There wasn't any suspicious development of that because enemies would try to poison their kings to overtake them. And so even though the job doesn't sound like a very hard job, you know, just sip some wine here and make sure they're doing it right in the kitchen and make sure there's no strangers dealing, messing with the uh, drink, it was actually one of the most respected leadership roles in the whole country because you're so close to the king for one you're right next to him feeding him and number two you might be the most trusted person that he knows because he knows that if he if that cupbearer can be bribed with money and gold and silver and fame and power then he's dead meat because that corruption that that lack of character they'll find somebody will find a bribe somebody will threaten his family somebody will get a way to persuade that cupbearer to bend and let them in and slip in some poison and give them some kind of reward and no the cupbearer was trusted and he was a cupbearer so he's well respected he's he's an amazing strong character And his broken heart was seen by the king. And the king asked him, what's wrong? And he starts telling him, my people's city is broken down and the walls are down. It's, it's, it's disheartening. It's, and, and he shares this with him. The king says, what would you like me to do? I'd like to go there. And he says, okay, well, how long are you going to be? And then he says, can I have uh, a letter to get me some military transport to protect us? Can I have a letter from you, king, and get a bunch of timber and wood for the gates and rebuilding the homes? And the king just said, yes, and yes, and yes. This pagan king that has really no interest at all, but because Nehemiah prayed and asked for God's favor, boom, he had the favor of the king that day, and he released all these resources for him to go back. Nehemiah goes back with these resources and and he he doesn't say anything at first when he goes there he just inspects the walls at night by himself he's on his 
mule and he's walking around. It was so bad in spots that you couldn't even take the mule through it because the rubbish from the stones had just piled up so high you couldn't even walk. He had to go around and go the long way around on the outside and he comes back and he has a plan. Before I talk about that plan and go into this scripture, it's such an awesome uh, uh, set of chapters here. I want to talk about the walls being broken down in America. That the walls in America, since the founding fathers were based and built on Judeo-Christian values, meaning that the values that come out of the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament scriptures, those values, the Ten Commandments, of morality, of integrity, of right versus wrong, that common sense is good for living. And that the golden rule where you put others before, uh, before you, before yourself, these values were what our democracy was founded on by our founding fathers. And those were walls of protection for generations to come. And however, when the leadership, the final authorities of our land start rejecting those Judeo-Christian values that give health, gives a foundation for healthy communities, neighborhoods, and relationships and leadership, then walls start breaking down. And on June 26, 2015, the Supreme Court in the United States legalized same-sex marriage. Now, that was actually throwing common sense out of the window. Because from the beginning of time, everybody knows what marriage is. All cultures, all societies, that it's when a man and woman uh, commit to each other for life and they make babies. And I actually had a homosexual explain this to me. I was working social work in Philadelphia and I was serving him and he was struggling on, he was a Catholic, whether I should stay a homosexual, does he need to uh, uh, get some counseling? He was looking for Catholic counselors at the time. And he said, you know what? This really doesn't make sense because the word marriage comes from the word matriarchal. I believe it's Latin-based, and he said matriarchal means motherhood. So marriage assumes that it's a relationship that produces motherhood, that procreates and produces new babies, new life. So how can you change the definition of a word that's been, when you already know what it means? Okay, you want to have some tax breaks or something, that's fine. But it's not a marriage. You can't procreate and make babies. I've watched um, online, I discovered it, that our current federal government, our administration today, has videos that, to me, just show again, there's broken walls of protection around our nation. And this is uh, top leaders in the Department of Education, Department of Justice, Department of Health and Human Services that says, we support you LBGTQ students to have free access to bathrooms that you choose, to play the sports that you want to play. And to this is how you file a complaint if you have obstacles from any authorities in your schools. 
And just like they said, President Biden said, I have your back. We have your back as well. Young people, there's no president that has your back, a conservative or a far left. It is God that has your back. He created you. He has a purpose for your life. He gives you the grace to, be, to, to live it. And there's no government that's got your back. I am just in communication with various parents, educators, all the way from Louisville, uh, Henry County, uh, you know, Lexington area, just talking and learning and listening, talking to parents, teachers. And I was talking to one educator uh, of, in middle school who says, I have six middle school students that are, want to use the neutral uh, gender pronoun. And they are also my most depressed students that I have to try to help. And they have suicidal thoughts as well. Yeah, that's getting your back, isn't it? This is the path that it takes. It's called depression. It's called suicidal thoughts. That's a broken wall. This, so yes, anything that's LGBTQ is great for you young people. It's not. It's nothing but pain, suffering, and disillusion. Thank you, God, for that Christian educator in that public school system. Thank God for Christian students and teachers in the public school sent by God, oh, Lord, to look that student in the eyes and say, hey, you're you're amazing as you are. Hey, I care for you. I love you. God loves you as you are. You don't have to change anything. You're created beautifully and amazingly. Don't you, you... Listen, there is someone that can help you and his name is Jesus do you want to know what it, how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ I want you to a prayer that's in my heart I want you to pray this prayer with me if you're willing that God would cross our paths with a young person really any of any age but particularly a young person who is going down this path right now looking for a transgender change or looking for fulfillment by being someone else that they're not, Lord, would you please somehow give us a divine crisscrossing in our paths and we can say, look at them in the eyes, oh, let me tell you, you are loved as you are. And I can tell you how to fulfill that void, that emptiness, that hurt in your heart. It's called a relationship with the God who loves you, named Jesus Christ. Lord, give us divine connections, crisscross our paths. We don't want them to go on month after month, year after year, disillusioned. The walls are broken down. The demons have freedom. The, the authorities of our land have said, no, come on in. talking to a, a grandmother here in our family, saying that their child is like third grade or so, that the lunchroom conversation is not the third grade level that you and I used to have. It's high school level, and children are sharing their sexual experiences with their buddies at the third grade cafeteria table. I've had a parent uh, in, uh, in our fellowship said that... Uh, Their son came home and said, well, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me for a girl. 
Folks, this is not something that we read in the newspaper, some big cities. This is our counties right here, our homes, our schools, our neighborhoods. Five years ago, uh, there was a high schooler who came and visited our youth group, was a friend with a couple of friends, and came and, and he was responding to ministry and the gospel. Just within a few weeks, he wanted to get water baptized. I was thinking, you know, why don't we wait a little bit, just get you on track? No, he wanted to do it soon. So we scheduled it, I water baptized him, uh, scheduled one-on-one time with him to get more discipleship and make sure he was getting in the word and getting in the next steps and so forth. He was gone three weeks later, nowhere for us to contact for him, I heard the other day that he planning a, to work to to get started a sex change. Lord, help me reconnect with that young man. Let him see in my eyes the love of the Father, the brokenness that there is. That God does love you. There is a path for you to to reach this. What you're longing for, it's through Jesus Christ. Back to the Nehemiah story. So Nehemiah as a leader is is all of us, when you do works for God, when when you sense a direction from God, just don't be surprised with opposition and obstacles. It just happens. And so what we find that he started getting real ridiculed by these neighboring uh, by these nearby leaders, San, um, San Ballad and Tobiah. And Nehemiah 2, verse 20 says, So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven will give you success. Therefore, we as servants will arise and build, but you have no portion, no right or memorial in Jerusalem. Living waters, we will have success. We will have a fruitful student and a family ministry that's going to bear 30, 60, 100 folds. And chapter 3, what we find is just a list of the builders. And you know what? None of them are construction folk. They're not builders. They live in this part of near the wall, and so they're rebuilding the wall near them. They are assigned to certain areas. These are priests. These are Levites. These are goldsmiths. These are businessmen. These are perfumers. I didn't know there were perfumers. But in, in, in chapter 3, there's perfumers rebuilding the wall. Just everybody, common folk, let me tell you, I want to be on that list in chapter 3 of someone who rebuilt the wall and repaired the breach where the enemy was coming, coming through. I want to be in that list. I want to have my name in it. More opposition came up again. But it says this, Nehemiah 4, 6. So we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Oh, yeah. A mind to work. Now, folks, I'm almost 56 years old, but I've got a mind to work like never before. I feel I've got the passion and vision of a 22-year-old coming out of college, ready to step in this adventure of ministry leadership, and I'm 30-some years older than that. God, give me energy for what's pounding in my heart. 
I want us to be inspired by some stories of people who had a mind to work. And that people is you, Living Waters. And I'm going to ask uh, Gary, Donna, and Leanne to come on up here, if you would. Living Waters Christian School started three years after the church was founded in 1984. In 81, the people that started uh, the church, they had it in their heart to start a Christian school. Listen, it was, not, it was unheard of. There wasn't one in Frankfurt, Lawrenceburg. It was a new one in Louisville, maybe one in Lexington. It was far away. This was a pioneering work. And this sanctuary was the whole building. And about in this area was a wall that separated the bathrooms and the kitchen. That was also the meeting room. Uh, the pastor's uh, off, a couple offices over here. And uh, when I came in 88, I was in the furnace closet. was my office. Fielding was in the water heater closet or something and the rest of this was all sanctuary there were no classrooms and they didn't have any money they didn't have any furniture they didn't have any teachers but they said we're not going to wait any longer 1984 is the year we're going to do this and joel and carol league stepped out on on the edge of faith and said uh no fundraiser happening no nothing but we're going to start this thing Six teachers weren't even paid that first year, around 35 students. Today, 300 students are down the road. What fruit, what continued fruit impacting lives and generations over and over again. This family here was one of those uh, original families in the Christian school, uh, each with, with a unique story. Who would like to go first? Gary. Well, this is just a little bit about how we got here. Uh, it was 1984, and um, we lived in Louisville. The kids were in school in Louisville. And Don and I had a stirring in our heart that um, we need to move to the country. And we didn't really know what moving to the country meant, but that's what God had really planned in our heart. So we wound up out on Rockbridge Road in Shelby County. So as uh, school year approaches, we uh, learn about Living Waters Church getting ready to start a Christian school, and there was going to be a meeting. And we might want to come and attend that meeting and check it out. So we did, and we learned that they had a principal, Kent Sullivan, and they had a vision, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, little did we know about the plan that God had chosen for us and had put us in and on a path uh, for blessings to come, and they're still coming, and uh, his work and our family and using us uh, in ways all along that route. And, uh, of course, Don and Leanne were a big part of that and the teaching end of it, and... Uh, that's my story. <laughs> well, Gary mentioned that meeting, and so we did go and uh, didn't know a single soul there. But before we left, I was the new first and second grade teacher. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you know what? I, I didn't realize it at the time, but God called me. I had never been called <laughs> before. Didn't feel like I had. He called me to be that teacher. We were there just at the right time. Just like he called Lynn Price and Sue Ellis and Jane Sage and Fielding and uh, Kent. That was our first year. That's our staff of our first year. Mm. And after that, it just, it, it, you know, the next year, um, more people were involved, and it just kept on growing. Sure, we had some problems, I'm sure, but I don't even remember what they were. <laughs> but um, it was just wonderful, a wonderful place, and our family grew so close. through. And I didn't even know Sue or Lynn or any of them, but when we went to a convention um, in um, Cincinnati, <laughs> um, that's where I met Joel and Carol for the first time, and that's when I met the other teachers. And I came home and told Gary, because we'd been looking around for different church at different churches, and I said, I want to go there because there's something about those people mm -hmm. that I want to be around. Wow. And yeah. we had three kids, our three kids uh, graduated from so I uh, started Living Waters when I was in eighth grade. It was a bit of a culture shock coming from Louisville and being part of the busing system too. Um, but we just started right in with good um, biblical training and integration in the class classroom. Um, science classes uh, taught a different perspective, creation uh, versus evolution, um, absolute truths, you know, that are important. Um, and, and that prepared me for college. Um, I remember taking um, classes in college, but I, I knew the, the truth um, biblically, and I'm so thankful for that, um, that training. And so then um, I watched my mom uh, uh, raise us in a Christian school, and I wanted that for my, home, my family. And so um, that, that was something very important to me. And so I, I immediately just started running after uh, to be a teacher. Um, and now I am at um, Cornerstone and have taught for, I think, 21, 22 years. Both my boys have graduated from there. And um, I really uh, consider um, just Christian education very similar to just their training um, very much like um, they're both, they have both chosen military careers, and right now they're, they're getting the training they need um, before battle. They're not in battle. They're being equipped every day um, for what they need for battle. And so, um, anyway, I just, uh, I know that they are confident and they have the skills that they need for their future. Um, they had great opportunities at Cornerstone. Um, we have great sports and beta club, student council. They attended proms and homecoming uh, dances and earned scholarships for their future. Um, but I am so thankful that the, the biblical knowledge and, and being able to apply that to their life is, is what they have learned. And um, that's the number one thing for us that we're just so thankful for. And they have a firm foundation, so. Woo! Before you leave, I'm going to ask, if you were involved at Living Waters Christian School for those first three years as a student, teacher, volunteer, you were a parent that sent your kid in some 
fashion in 84, 85, 86, and 87. Would you please stand? We want to thank you for your faith and, and being a part of it in one way or the other. Could you please stand? All right. Woo-hoo. Now, if you have been involved in the Christian education at Living Waters Christian Stewart or Cornerstone, either as a student, a volunteer, or a helper, or anything, could you add to this group and you stand as well? We want to just see what everybody is uh, uh, doing here. Woo. All right. Thank you so much. Onance, let's give them a big hand. Thank you so much. And if I understand it right... Um, was Alex, your, your youngest son, was the first that went all the way through, uh, first through 12th, and, and graduated. Um, Leanne, were you the first graduating class, or how did that work? No, I guess you weren't, because you went in at 8th grade. Are you the first one to have, to go through the school and teach and have all your kids go through the school and graduate? <laughs> Probably, yeah, two generations completely go through the whole the whole system there, man, oh wow, ah, oh, I just love it I'm going to jump through Nehemiah so I can get to some last points here. This is uh uh this story is so powerful and helpful. I want to encourage you. Uh, to read it more carefully. But in Nehemiah chapter 4, there was another wave of opposition. And it said uh, in verses 10 and 11, Thus in Judah it was said, The strength of the burden bearers is failing, yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Our enemy said they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. And the scriptures go on and it says, and they were told uh, 10 times they heard these bad reports and it was overwhelming. Listen, it's just true, right? That where sin abounds, but we need grace to abound that much more. And that's true in Romans 5, 20. Also, Isaiah 41, 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You will have opposition as you take a stand of faith and go toward God. Be encouraged. God's right hand is his right hand of authority. It is right hand of strength. He is with you. So what happens later on in Nehemiah chapter 4? is he started placing uh, men in the lowest parts of the wall because of all these threats of, of military attack to just stop their work. And they put families together so they would have uh, family units protecting the, the low places in the wall. And he said in Nehemiah 4.14, When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So yes, even in the midst of discouragement, listen to this charge from this uh, amazing leader used by God. Listen, uh, you can do this. Fight for your families. Do not give up. 
just heard myself. That was pretty cool. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. So what happens next is he had to station half of his workers just for military protection with their weapons in specific areas around the wall. And then he had uh, those who were carrying burdens and, 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 and carrying heavy things, they had to keep a weapon in one hand and carry their load in the other. And then he even had those who were builders, and they needed both hands, but they said, hey, wear your, your, sheath, uh, your sword and your sheath at all times. Everybody, everyone, even the workers had a weapon on them. They were alert. They were ready. They knew that the enemy could come, and they were poised for battle, but it was, but God battled for them, and there was no battle, and they did finish the wall. And when they finished the wall, many other blessings came. Like they read the word of, they found the word of God and read it to all the people. And so I am, uh, by the inspiration of, of you pioneer folk, I'm looking for people who have a mind to work. To have a mind to work. This room here was one solid room in the sanctuary. They built partitions with Ed crates. And so they pushed the, the desks off to the walls and covered them up. And then they put the partitions out and created rooms every Sunday night and Wednesday night, back and forth for Wednesday night services and weekend services. They were working every week just physically setting things up. There was no lazy bone in the church. They had a mind to work. And I want to tell you, this call is coming again. But we've got to realize the, the walls are broken down more than it was back in 1884. We have to be ready to fight as well. And I'm going to show you in scriptures just some basic things on repairing the breaches around our children in closing. To repair these breaches that have happened in our nation. I'm going to list five things fairly quickly. That the home is the first place of discipleship. Parents are the first curriculum resembling the image of God. And that's why our mission in going forward with this family ministry is blessing our family tree by connecting church and home where the home empowers, excuse me, where the church empowers mom and dads and kids to have discipleship happening there more than any other place. And even at Christian schools like uh, Living Waters and CCA, they know that, that even a Christian school is just supplemental to the parents' discipleship in the home. We can't take the place of the, of the parents' discipleship. Uh, River Kids ministry can't take the place of home discipleship. Also, number two is the local church family, that spiritual family. It's part of rebuilding the wall of protection around our children. It's when the whole family is worshiping together, the children see and learn a pattern that 
this is important to mom and dad. It's not just for kids. It's not just send me to church or every now and then. This is a priority in our family. And it just gets ingrained in your mind, in their minds, that you don't have to tell them. They just know it. You get up on Sunday mornings, even though you're tired, even though you don't feel like it at the time. But there's a priority of being consistently involved in a spiritual church family. That builds protection for those young people. Number three, a children's ministry and student ministries... They are discipleship paths for age groupings, appropriate for certain ages, bringing the gospel and Bible to their situation of life. It's opening up more opportunities for discipleship than beyond the home to support those families. I want to be honest with you to tell you, I've seen around even the charismatic world and living waters when grandparents or parents leave living waters for a youth ministry, or family ministry somewhere else. Today's millennials, they are so committed to raising their family in a healthy, God-honoring way, they will go where it's best for their kids. I just love Justin Ross's, um, uh, his, his story. He was both a, uh, a student here, and grew up in the youth group. Uh, he was not one of the 20 in 1992 that went to a youth conference in Nashville called Acquire the Fire. His brother Brandon was the only uh, genuine Christian teenager in the youth group at the time. And he was gone. Jim Erickson, who had a horrible attitude through his, his high school years, had just that week before we left for that conference had rededicated his heart to God and hadn't told anybody. He went to the conference. Jim Erickson rededicated his life Friday night at the conference. Every altar call, every service, there were more of our young people coming to the altar. These were kids that were just there to get away from home, to check out Nashville, and they had no idea the Holy Spirit was going to hit them. Frank Frigg's daughter Martha was the last one in our testimony time Sunday morning before Nashville to rededicate her, rededicate her life. I came back and I said, Joel, it was an amazing weekend. We'll just see if it sticks. Folks, it stuck. Out of that weekend came testimonies of the power of God touching and transforming hearts and lives. The basketball team got saved at their school, and they, they started, Christian schools started asking us to go to their schools to give testimonies and have services. I'd open up, hand the microphone to a teenager, they'd share, and they would share, and they'd share. I'd say, okay, let's, let's have a time of prayer. They'd come down, they would pray, the Holy Spirit would just touch hearts. I want to tell you, folks, God wants to use young people today. Justin and David Sullivan did not go to that silly conference. They weren't going to be sitting in those silly, silly uh, uh, meetings. Came back, their eyes were open. Oh my gosh, this is not normal. This is not usual. God really is working. My heart is being drawn to the Lord. And that first week, they gave their heart back to the Lord. And they were right in the middle of this youth revival that happened in 1992. I share that story because what about if we didn't have a priority at that time to lead students 
to the Lord in opportunities like retreats and conferences and leadership and volunteers coming around. Even though Brandon was the only one who was really uh, uh, genuine at the time, we didn't stop and God broke through. What if we didn't have Justin Ross leading Sparrows? What about Jim Erickson? What about Jolie League? What about Stephen, and, uh, Stephen Whitehead, Casey Winters Whitehead that grew up in this church in Christian school? Uh, I can't name everybody. The, the, um, uh, the Irvine kids. I mean, you just can't go on. What, ha- what would happen if we didn't have these ministries? Would they have missed it? Would it have been another 10 years in their life? They would have uh, not come back to the Lord. It would, have, it would have been something that God would have to restore and bring later. Sean Ellis, Buddy Barry, who's going to speak in a couple weeks, gave his heart to Christ in those years in the 90s. So I want to tell you, it's, it's an important piece. It's not as important as home discipleship, but us providing and offering additional discipleship opportunities for our children and youth are critical in today's broken-down wall society. Number four is serving in the community because that's learning the nature of Christ. I want to tell you, folks, I know that coming to church, particularly for men and young men, and listening to a preacher, even though, uh, you know, I'm one of the best out there, right? Uh, It gets boring after a while. Because spectator sports get boring after a while. So I want to encourage you parents to to really model and, and also you know, get their young people out there and just serving to get out of your own mentality. This is for me, and I'm spectating, and I'm sitting and listening. No, you can contribute, have action. Men want to use their strength and use their abilities to contribute. And number five in this list is Christian education. That comes often in the forms of homeschooling. That can come in the forms in some types of private or even public schools where there's daily discipleship in academics. I believe that God sends Christians in all three of those forms of homeschooling, Christian education, public school. We experienced all three in our children growing up. Paul and Daniel, our oldest two boys, were in a very secular middle school in Philadelphia for a couple years. And so I I say that even in public schools and and secular colleges, you can find the the Christians there. You can find the Christian teachers. You can develop a a community there. You can find God working. God is working in every school, public or private. Christ is in the center of all things. And in Christian education, that's what it does. It points to Jesus is in all areas of life and academics. I'm going to go ahead and ask the altar ministry teams to go ahead and be available for prayer. You you might ask Stephen, you know, I don't have the energy like I did when I was in my 30s and I was moving those chairs and desks back every Sunday and Wednesday night. How in the world am I going to, you know, contribute and have a mind to work? God has a way for all of us to contribute to this new family ministry. And I'm going to throw one idea out we've been working on, we're starting to develop is could every junior high, middle schooler, and high schooler, and college-age student in our uh, spiritual family, could they have a prayer person appointed to them? Well, there is someone, uh, 
like a spiritual grandma, spiritual grandpa, someone praying for them on a regular basis. Could we set that up here at Living Waters? Would that be that hard? Could that be a first step, a first start of bridging uh, these generations? We're a family. God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's live it out. Let's do it. And let's get some prayer for our young people. Because the walls are broken down in our society. They're being attacked by all angles. They need extra prayer. They need your prayers, my prayers, your support. I'm just going to let this song be our time of waiting before the Lord. I don't have a specific uh, a, a way to end it. Just say, would you join me and have a mind to work? And say, Lord, I don't know what that is. And, and you know my, uh, my abilities or my strength level and energy levels, you know it. But Lord, I want to be included in that chapter three, the builders that knew how to fight and to build at the same time doesn't matter how bad the opposition gets i can still build because fighting for our families includes building something that will last for them it's just not trying to defeat evil but it's creating a path of fruitfulness let's pray lord jesus This battle is real. The onslaught of the demons on our younger generations is real. Lord God, we believe that you are working in every school represented here. Public, private, Christian, homeschool. And Lord, you have a way, Lord God, of building up these walls to protect our children, our young men and women that they are going to be a light in the darkness. They are going to Show the love of God to those who are alone and hurt and depressed, those who are confused. Lord God, you have a good and and amazing, uh, perfect will for each one of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Lord, we want to be part of rebuilding the walls, closing up the breaches. Lord, give us a mind to work and lead us in ways that we can be a support, that we can be a part of the team. Let's just sing the songs we wait on the Lord. You unravel me with a melody You surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear Cause I am a child no 